I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Can you believe it? We just finished what is likely the weirdest freaking Pac-12 football season ever, ever. You know, maybe there was something crazy during the the great influenza, but that there was no Pac-12 back then. Um, thank you, everybody, for continuing to tune in and listen and uh, just ride this crazy train as we move through uh, what, what just has been a, a crazy year. And, but one of the things that was great was the fact that we were able to actually watch football. And we're going to break that down this week. We're going to go through the two bowl games that we had. I wish there were more, but um, I totally understand that players want to be home with their families. Um, and but, but and we lost both of those in the conference anyway. But uh, we're going to cover those nonetheless. And we're also going to go through basically our superlatives, the the biggest surprise, the, the biggest positive and negative surprises, and just kind of go through every team and talk a little bit about uh, what we saw this, this past year. Um, one of the things to keep in mind is we're going to keep recording throughout the, uh, the offseason and focus on 2021. There's a lot of new offense and defenses uh, and schematics that were rolled out this year. We're going to re- make sure to break that stuff down and just a lot of new stuff. There's all these players leaving. We're going to stay on top of that here at 12 Pack Radio. Before we start, uh, this episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone services chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Shout out to Bill Walton for plugging the Nextiva and shout out to Nextiva for being next to Justin Vineyards, one of my favorite vineyards out in Paseo Robles. Uh, anyway, Nextiva uh, helps the country stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you pay for those services separately. Nextiva's just been great, a uh, great sponsor of us throughout this uh, season and, and into the off-season, too, uh, And uh, as we cover some of the Pac-12 uh, tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, visit Nextiva.com slash 12-pack, Nextiva.com slash 12-pack to get started. Make calls every day or die. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger. We got our sound back. We got our sound back. Uh, the sound was decent last uh, episode, but uh, made a few tweaks, so glad to get back to 100% capacity here at 12-Pack Radio in the next Steva Studios where the clothing is optional. Thank you for joining us, and uh, it, this is this was by far, well, never say never, but likely the dumbest college football season ever, um, <laughs> at least in our lifetimes, and thank you for really just going on the ride with us. I'm just really excited that we um, were able to have a show and there was football to cover, and this episode, we're going to break down uh, some of the uh, just kind of tie a bow on the season uh, take a look at some of the surprises we have some superlatives um, and of course we have two bowl games to review that uh, that didn't quite go as well as we thought but um, but I think we actually nailed kind of what would happen <laughs> to those uh, teams uh, the Pac-12 teams as they went into the postseason but uh, again this is Brian Conger thanks again for joining us you can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio and I am joined as always by Rob Barron what's going on Rob? Uh, not much. I'm. Uh, it's hard to believe we've made it nearly to the end of another college football year. 
nearly to the end. What one more game? One more game to cover. I think we'll we'll probably do something about the national title game here uh, on Twelve Pack Radio. Uh, more to come on that. And uh, joined always uh, by Mr. Max Meyer. What's going on, Max? Well, it's it's sad that there's only one college football game left, but honestly, it's pretty miraculous that we got the whole season in. Hey, you know, count the blessings. It, it makes you uh, appreciate uh, the things that maybe we took for granted in uh, past seasons. Um, and you know, it, it, I'm I'm just glad that that we actually saw uh, football on the field, and it got better as as time went on. It was a little weird with no fans in the stands in the beginning, but um, I, I just think the aesthetic there for the football games is better than the basketball games, where it's just like kind of like dead, empty space and no. Fa- anyway, like that, that's a whole other story. But um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and again, thanks for everybody for for really riding the train with us as the season went along. And we have some things to cover here. We had two bowl games that we're going to get immediately. To. Um, the first one was uh, was an interesting game in its own right, and that's Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl against Iowa State. And you know, I think I think we looked at the advanced stats, we looked at the defense, and we looked at some of the issues that uh, we thought Oregon could have coming into this game um, against a team that was was quite good, had a lot of conference uh, all all conference, a couple All Americans on the team. Uh, one thing that we didn't uh, anticipate was the the four or whatever turnover deficit, whatever it was. And we'll get into that. Uh, but at the end of the day, Iowa State thirty four, Oregon seventeen, and uh, this game really wasn't wasn't all that close um, in the beginning it was interesting to see the the clashes uh, between both of the teams but uh what were your initial thoughts here max on uh, how oregon performed against the cyclones well i mean turnovers have been an issue for oregon all season long and, and so but yeah you're not you're not going to win oregon i mean like there were some games where they were able to get away with it against inferior pac-12 foes but you're not going to get away with it against a team as well coached as iowa state so the turnovers were a big issue and then the other was third downs uh, Oregon didn't convert a single third down the whole game and, uh, good luck trying to win like that. And Iowa state, meanwhile, it seemed like that they, uh, they w- were never getting off the field with how many third downs they converted. So with those two factors, you would need it at pretty much everything else to go right. And even then, like you'd probably still lose the game. So yeah, with, with with those two things, like no shot that Oregon was going to win that game. Yeah, there were two drives where I could have gone out and gotten Chick-fil-A and came back and, and Iowa State would have still been on the field, including that first drive where they just kept uh, moving the ball down, really methodical. Um, they kept control of the ball. They didn't make mistakes, which is the exact opposite of what Oregon did. Um, Rob, you know, what were your initial takeaways? And we'll kind of expand on the, the stats here and um, see if we can extrapolate anything. But what did you think? Yeah, I mean the, the 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 box score was certainly closer than the final score uh, in this one, but uh, I think you know, there were some there was some odd chatter from some like Oregon recruiting fan fan board type sites that had you know that had looked at the the uh, recruiting level for Iowa State and assumed that Oregon um, because they had so many better players or who were recruits that they would just really wipe the floor with Iowa State. Um, you know, some of the are our friends that are smarter Oregon football consumers <laughs> didn't believe that. And I always say just a, a really well coached uh, football team. I and mean, you saw that uh, in this game, you know, like this Iowa state team is really executed. It's the reason Matt Campbell is being mentioned for a lot of pretty big jobs out there. Uh, you know, I, I think that this, uh, you know, this was a, this was going to be a tough matchup for, for the ducks. Um, certainly, you know, like the, you know, four turnovers, uh, will doom you in, in nearly any game being minus four on turnovers. Um, but I mean, in some level, I mean, only losing, but you know, 
they, they basically lost by three possessions with, you know, turning the ball over four times. The, uh, they actually were able to move the ball despite being so bad on third down. They were able to move the ball reasonably effectively, but it wasn't exactly a barn burner of a game. Yeah, reasonably effective against a pretty good defense. I think it was what top yeah. was it top seven in beta rank. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, there there are positives to take away. I thought Brown was was fun to you know like they've been moving more to him, um, you know, just to kind of change things up, and it was fun to see him. Although he had a really good run that ended up got stripped for a fumble. I'm like ah, like dig it. I want to see him more on the field. Um, and it seemed like every time you know Oregon. Uh, had an opportunity to, to tighten the game up. They ended up giving the ball away. Um, I, I'm curious what you guys think about this, guys, because obviously the turnover uh, discrepancy was the biggest story, but it just seemed like um, this was kind of like the worst type of team to go up against uh, an Oregon defense that was giving away um, yards and just was was allowing rushing yards and passing yards. And, like, I mean, Iowa State just, like, they don't do anything flashy. They just continue to methodically move the ball down the field. And if they're not making mistakes, it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I thought that was kind of the story, too. It seemed like Iowa State was probably going to win this game um, regardless, although it probably been a lot closer um, just, I mean, obviously because Oregon was giving the ball away, but I don't know. I was just like, we knew Iowa state was good and they, they were who they were. Like, I don't, I didn't think there was any surprises in this game, um, on their side of the ball. What do you think? Does that make sense, Max? Yeah. No, I mean like well, Iowa state, like they were slow and methodical and their, and their defense was strong. Um, and, and that's what we were expecting for the game. And the only way that it would be better was, um, I mean, if Oregon didn't commit all those mistakes and a negative four turnover differential is, is nearly impossible to overcome. So yeah, not, not, not a big surprise. Anything else stand out for you, Rob? Um, I mean, Brock Purdy, right? Like 20 for 29, 156 yards, wasn't gunning the ball down the field, but like, uh, and was definitely giving them to those tight ends, like the eight of them that they had on that Iowa state team. Um, uh, but uh, anything else kind of flash in front of you or anything that you can, um, take and maybe set, uh, I guess, like kind of looking into the future for Oregon in 2021. I mean, it was, it was interesting. I mean, this, we expected this Oregon team to be more carried by their defense coming into the season and they really weren't. I mean, the, the offense, I think, uh, you know, coming into next year, I think has, has the real opportunity for, for Oregon to keep an eye on is, you know, whether it's uh, Brown or Shuck at quarterback, um, you know, the, the, the offensive line should have a lot more development, uh, under their belt. Everyone should be more comfortable in Moorhead system. And so, Hopefully some of the, you know, if you're an Oregon fan, if you can clean up really some of the, you know, and some of it, some of this is, you know, there is such a thing as turnover luck, you know, particularly with fumbles. So uh, not all of this is something that, you know, some of it is just, you know, the football gods did not shine on you, uh, but clean up some of the sloppy play. And, uh, you know, you're actually, you know, Oregon could look forward to perhaps a top 10 offense next season. Yeah. And to be fair to Oregon, I thought their defense played better in the second half. It reminded me of some of the earlier Oregon games where the first half Stanford was able just to kind of do a lot on the ground against uh, Oregon's uh, Oregon. And then like in the second half, the defense kind of shored up a little bit. And uh, that I thought happened this time where we just saw uh, more glimpses of hopefully what uh, is to come for Oregon next year. Uh, Obviously, hopefully for every team uh, where their defense improves, but we just thought that they're like they were going to be so good on defense and they just they just weren't this year um and that kind of ended up nipping them in the bud uh in this game uh, max any anything else to mention here about the fiesta bowl uh well I, can we can talk about more uh disappointing pac-12 performances <laughs> but it's just crazy that that the pac-12's champion went four and three and that's just that doesn't scream pack 
does. Uh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, let's let's move on. Yeah, speaking of bowl losses, let's move on to the. I think it was the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, yeah, the Alamo Bowl, uh, where Colorado uh, lost to Texas, uh, fifty-five to twenty-three, and this kind of ended up being, I think, the the worst case scenario for Colorado. There, there were some red signs and red flags when it came to them being able to stop the run, particularly when they played Arizona. And boy, howdy, that was a problem. Now, now obviously, there, there was also some problems in the passing uh, defense, too. It was the Casey Thompson show with four touchdowns coming in for Sam Ellinger uh, in the second half. But uh, Bijan Robinson, man, just did whatever he wanted. And it, it was kind of interesting to see. Colorado go up against uh, j- just a. I mean, look, Texas had better recruits, and um, and it showed, and they were able to move the ball. But still, Rob, still, Colorado did technically fire Texas's head coach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Texas played so badly against Colorado that Tom Herman got fired. Uh, it was, it was. I mean, this you hit on it. I mean, this was a really bad matchup for Colorado. Um, you know, the Pac-12 only you know having uh, you know such a short season. Um, and really only having so many teams that were even really willing to participate in a bowl, uh, Colorado, you know, got a somewhat favorable schedule in the back 12, uh, you know, this season, uh, got the, you know, got the, got the bounces certainly against UCLA and then gets a legitimately good Texas team. Um, you know, not good enough for Texas standards, but gets a legitimately good Texas team. And, um, I, I thought really too, I mean, some of the things that we had seen, um, you know, that were really red flags for this Colorado team. I mean, even with Landon out, um, you know, the fact that they really had, uh, they let Arizona of all teams really run all over them. I mean, Bijan Robinson, uh, holy moly. <laughs> Every, I mean, he, he averaged 18 yards of carry. Um, just, just an unbel- unbelievable performance for, for him. Um, and I mean, the, the troubles that Colorado's, you know, defense, you know, really had coming in, um, I mean, cause I mean, Colorado, I mean, to give you an idea, like in beta rank, Colorado right now sits at number 48. Um, you know, that is, that is, you know, their, their record was you know a little bit mismatched with where they sat in advanced stats. So, uh, it was a tough matchup to get a, a, a Texas team that, you know, is, uh, you know, is close to uh, the, the top 10 in beta rank this year. Yeah, some of the bright spots. I mean, Jarek Broussard, two more touchdowns. Uh, he did have the fumble, but man, I mean, like we'll talk about the superlatives and stuff in a little bit, but uh, just what he's been able to do off of uh, the ACL tear. I think two of them, if I recall. Anyway, um, but like just a re- obviously got the comeback player of the year and he deserved it. So I was able to put together, um, you know, some points there for Colorado. We had a Brendan Lewis sighting, which was kind of exciting to see, you know, the future of uh, the quarterback um, unit. And Boulder with Sam Neuer throwing the two interceptions. Um, so I don't know. Like, look, Colorado had a hell of a year. And um, like, if you've been part of a program that um, you know has a new coach or is kind of coming up and maybe um, jump the line in a bowl, and you kind of play a team that that's clearly better, um, you know, I, like I don't come away from those things discouraged, and more come away from that being like, okay, um, now we know where we are. And Colorado certainly put together a pretty solid year. Uh, Max, when you saw when you saw this game or saw the score, um, anything you know really jump out for you? Yeah, I was like, finally, Colorado. <laughs> this was the Colorado I was expecting. <laughs> Um, no, like, like, I mean, I don't like, I, I picked Colorado against the spread in, in this game. And I mean, the market agreed, like, I think that this closed at eight, eight and a half and, and it was originally at 13 and we just, 
I just wasn't sure. Like, I knew that Colorado was going to get up for this game just because Texas is such a big name. But I wasn't sure if Texas would get up for this game just because they were playing a, you know, middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team. And, I mean, between Robinson and the backup quarterback, Thompson, who looked great, um, Texas's offense looked unstoppable. And Colorado, uh, I mean, like, Broussard, like, he, he, he did have the two touchdowns, but he, I think he averaged, like, three yards a carry or something like that, like— the offense just wasn't efficient at all. And Neuer was, was, was not good either. So yeah, I mean, this, you guys hit it. Like this was just a a case of one team having clearly superior talent and, you know, and that's all they really needed to dominate. So I'm so bummed. We don't have any other bowls to talk about, like, you know, but I get it. Right. I mean, it's been a long season. A lot of these players want to be home with their families. And, um, and obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic. So, um, so there's only the two and unfortunately the PAC 12 lost both of them, but still, I think there's some interesting uh, takeaways from both games. So I'm glad we were able to watch those, um, and look forward to seeing Colorado, hopefully improve in the future and hopefully, uh, see Oregon's defense, uh, start to sew up some of those, uh, frayed ends that they had, uh, going through the season. Uh, let's get into uh, tying a, a giant bow on the season, go into superlatives, go into each team, and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. And we're going through the season that was the Pac-12 season in uh, 2020. And uh, one of the things that, that was interesting, you know, I think a lot of people watch their team and uh, normally during like a, a real season, you're tracking to see if your team's in first place or second place. Um, and I don't know if as many people did that this time just because so many games got canceled. and It was kind of hard to figure out where you were because certain teams, uh, you know, decided not to play. So let's just run through the standings here uh, in the South. USC ended the year five and one, uh, five and zero oh in conference, followed by the Colorado Buffalo four and two on the season three and one conference. The Utah Utes three and two in conference, uh, followed by Arizona State that went two and two. UCLA three and four, and Arizona zero and five on the season. Uh, the big goose egg down in Tucson in the north. The Huskies three and one. Uh, second, the Stanford Cardinal four and two. The Oregon Ducks four and three, and three and two in conference. Uh, the Beavs two and five, which is such a bummer. I thought that team was really fun to watch, but uh, was what it was. We'll get to them. Cal one and three, and the Washington State Cougars one and three, although a spirited one and three this year. Um, in the Palouse, and uh, guys, let me let me I guess just get your general thoughts on the standings in general, and then we'll get into superlatives here. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with you here, Rob. Is there um, anything that just kind of screams out when you're taking a look at the final ratings here? I mean, I thought the I mean it was a tough year for Pac-12 and Beta Rank, um, which wasn't a huge surprise given you know what the, what the conference was was really bringing back. Um, and nobody really, uh, I guess one of the shocking things when I looked at the state, you know, the final standings, I mean, Oregon's your top rated PAC 12 team at the end of the year at number 16 in beta rank. Um, you know, uh, UCLA is a big surprise at number 23, Washington's at 24, followed by USC really closely at 26. You know, it's, there's, you know, the, but no, nobody really 
hit their marks, if you will, right? Like Oregon's defense finishes at 25. Um, you know, Washington's defense finishes at 21. You you see USC's offense, you know, finishes at 28. I think what I just sort of you sort of go through to, it's just sort of it's just sort of a litany of of um, you know what like what we hoped would make this Pac-12 you know even a short Pac-12 season uh, you know a lot of fun and, and you know make um, give us some really you know excellent teams at the top uh, just kind of didn't materialize in the, in the short season. Yeah, and Max, we we assumed this was going to be a down year for the conference because you had a turnover in coordinators. It seemed like uh, the premier teams were going to have to really rejigger their system, whether it was SC's defense, um, the offense at Washington, the offense at Oregon, you had new quarterbacks coming in and all that stuff. Um, But I I agree with Rob where, you know, some of the elite units and even USC's offense, which was able to move the ball, but like, it just seemed like it sputtered sometimes where, you know, I guess we got like 75% uh, out of at best out of like the Washington defense and the USC defense and certainly not the Oregon <laughs> defense. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of, kind of weird to, to take a look at those standings. Anything else uh, jump out for you? You know, I, I think that I just thought that this was going to be a, a PAC 12 season where it's pretty much most PAC 12 seasons where, I mean, I just thought that USC's offense and Oregon's defense uh, preseason, like that would be enough to carry these two teams to the conference championship. And it ended up happening anyway but really not because of those two units. And I just thought that those two teams would be, uh, there'd be a decent sized gap between them and the rest of the PAC 12. And that wasn't really the case. I mean, Oregon, uh, went four and two, uh, I mean, and, but their wins like, uh, close against, um, UCLA, uh, Washington state, like they needed a, a, a resurgent second half Stanford. They needed what, like five missed field goals from jet toner, even though the ducks outplayed them in that game. And then USC had escapes against UCLA, Arizona, and Arizona State. So, like, these teams, like, could have been even worse than what they were. Um, it just it, it just felt like a jumbled mess. And, again, like, the Pac-12, just, like, so many teams that are on the same tier. And, and just no clear-cut contenders. Yeah. Kind of a bummer, but that's okay. We'll see uh, some of these teams pick up. And, uh, of course, you know, all the opt-outs certainly hurt. I mean, don't want to ignore that. Uh, on Muzurike and Washington, you had the secondary players at Oregon. and I mean, but every team had them also. So um, just, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm glad we were able to see the teams put together um, and learn on the field. And it'll be interesting to see what they are at full strength, uh, you know, God willing, in 2021. Um, but let's go into some superlatives here and just kind of go through. And we'll start with the positives. Um, let's do positive surprise of the year. And I think there's a number of them here in the Pac-12, Rob. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I hit on it a little bit. I mean, it, my, my positive surprise of the year is, is the UCLA Bruins. I mean, like nobody outperformed expectations coming into this year like UCLA did. You know, and I, you know, finishing 23 in beta rank, the offense took a step forward, sitting at number 19 overall in beta rank. The defense took a huge step forward to 49. Their special teams were great, number 10, or I'm sorry, number nine overall in special teams. Just a you know, really, uh, a really good, a really good year. I think that, you know, if you're a UCLA fan, you should feel really good coming into this next year about where this team might be. Yeah. And like, there really weren't a lot of indications. So we'll take Colorado, for example. Um, there, there was a world where you, you looked at Colorado and, and Hippoday came on the podcast with me and we kind of talked about the highlights um, or possible like positives for them. You know, they were returning the offensive line. The defensive line was actually really solid if they stayed healthy. Um, they had some interesting wide receivers. They had a running game. It was just like, could that defense, for the love of God, stop anybody uh, in the passing game? And they actually did a, a decent job this year. 
Um, and they ended up being okay. When it came to UCLA, Max, it's like, in what world does this UCLA team perform well? Now, granted, they, they were three and four on the season, um, but certainly just improved on defense, improved on offense. Um, why, do you, why do you think UCLA did so well this year, Max? Uh, I mean, UCLA's defense, especially the defensive line, was fantastic. Um, and we, I mean, we all definitely had our doubts about, uh, Jerry Azanaro and, um, just because like he, he hasn't had a track record at all the, the past few seasons. And we, like, we were surprised that Chip Kelly kept him for another year and it worked. Uh, I mean, UCLA's defense was very solid. And I mean, like, I guess like the, really like the turning point was in the Oregon game, like UCLA controlled the trenches, which was just shocking to me. But then also, like they have they have good offensive weapons, like the 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 backfield uh, duo of uh, Demetric Felton and and Britton Brown. ETR uh, even looked competent under center. Um, the tight end Dulcich, like you still had some intriguing uh, offensive firepower too. So, and and in a Pac-12 where even if you're just like mediocre, like you could finish near the top of the standings. Uh, UCLA was like they were better than that, and while it didn't really reflect in the standings, uh, at least in, in beta rank, like it, it reflected more of the performance that they had. Just because they should have beaten USC, uh, they very well could have beaten Oregon, and I feel like if they didn't give Colorado like uh, like two or three possessions inside the red zone off turnovers, they probably would have beaten the Buffaloes too. Yeah, and I think one of the things for me that was so interesting was they still did it with turnovers. <laughs> like, I think the one thing that we probably thought was, okay, if they are able to not have back-breaking, bone-crushing turnovers um, and stupid fumbles and pick sixes, um, you know, may- maybe they can get to three wins. And I think they got to three wins with some of those bone crush. Like, I mean, the... <laughs> The pick six at the end of the Oregon game being a great example of like, oh my gosh, like, of course that would happen to UCLA. But I wish I had the fumble numbers on me right now, but I know that there was a number of fumbles that I saw that uh, were recovered by the opposing team. So just the fact that UCLA, um, I mean, they did better on the turnover front this year, or at least it appeared to visually like DTR, uh, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions when you had Chase Griffin and he only threw two picks. Um, but the, but they were still there, and the fact that UCLA was able to up their level on on a number of different fronts uh, was pretty impressive for me, Rob. I I just I don't know what's what UCLA will be next year. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what this team was. But uh, I don't know. Do you have that same impression where they were able to do this even though they were still giving the ball to the other team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just it did not seem to. Uh, whereas last year, you know, the turnovers would have been sort of crushing. Um, you know, this year they were able to to really stay in games, and I, I I think too. I mean, it's it's odd the Arizona hiring Paul Rhodes opened up the the spot on their staff that they filled with Brian Norwood from Navy, and they really I mean they they only got it to seventy um, you know in, in effective pass you know defense and beta rank, but it's a big improvement over where they were last year, and um, you know it it was it, it's odd like they definitely had some addition by subtraction like Norwood I think made a big difference in some of their their scheme on defense. And one of the questions we had, too, is who was going to play tight end because uh, uh, Devin Asiasi last year was uh, really taking care of business and, and trying to move that offense forward as, as putrid as it was last year. Um, and it was another walk-on for Chip Kelly, Greg Dulcich, that came in and uh, had more than 500 you know yards on a really short season, and he certainly was option A and B for them. So uh, like you mentioned, Max, uh, it was just uh, pretty interesting to see him step forward and, and just be a big part of that team. So congratulations to him and 
to the Bruins. Uh, Max, what, what's another positive surprise you had for 2020? Uh, based off of my expectations for them, Colorado. Um, I didn't think Colorado would win more than one game. And sure enough, they won more than one game. Um, their offense was solid. I mean, Jared Broussard won Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, Neuer, uh, I mean, I, I just thought that Colorado had the worst quarterback situation in the Pac-12. And it looked that way against Texas. But for the most part, like, Neuer looked legit. Um, and the the defense... Uh, I granted, I guess when Colorado got off to big leads and, and there would be some games where teams would come back and the defense, I guess, spent a lot more in those situations, but the defense also was relatively steady. Uh, the offensive line was good, uh, and credit where credit's due, like Carl Durrell, like we made fun of your hire and it panned out in year one and kind of like how Herm Edwards, like also made fun of your hire. Uh, and, and that's, and that's been working out too. So maybe, you know, maybe in the pack 12, if it's, if it's a weird hire, that seems like it's not going to work. It might work. <laughs> I think one of the things too, with Colorado was there just seemed to be, um, a feeling of professionalism, uh, with the program. And it wasn't like that wasn't the case with Mel Tucker, but, uh, it just, I think that, that like sense of, uh, stability continued with uh, Durrell. And I think that's great. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, ASU that first year where uh, Herm comes in and yeah, they went, they had the same record as they did the previous year with uh, Todd Graham, but the program just felt like more solid, even though, even though it had the same record. And, and I got that feeling for uh, Carl Durrell and Colorado fans got the, the bonus of the wins as well. Uh, I, I'm, I would actually um, paint it maybe a, a different way here with Colorado where I thought that they, I thought the offense uh, was good in spite of Neuer. I thought Neuer was fine. Um, and what probably like R- Rob, where would you put Neuer, you know, when you're ranking him in the PAC 12 quarterback uh, rankings and, and like, this isn't to throw shade at him. I thought that he did a good job managing the game, but he, he did have end up with more interceptions than, uh, than touchdowns. It wasn't like he was a huge offensive threat, but, but he did enough to get that team, um, to play up to its level. And that's, that's like awesome for somebody that wasn't planning on playing at the school this year. Um, I don't know. Where, where would you put Neuer when you're ranking him in the quarterbacks? I mean, he's 11 or 12, right? I mean, like he's, he's, from a, and I, I don't want to, I mean, that's how, even in the bowl game, I mean, basically the announcers are talking about like Neuer may, may not even have the job locked up next year. I mean, that's definitely the case, right? I mean, it's, um, you know, he looked, you know, and he may benefit from having a spring where he's really, you know, back, um, you know, and, and able to get in more reps, but he certainly looked like he'd been playing safety for the past couple of years and really, um, I mean, if you're Colorado and you'd like to see the offense open up a little bit, you're definitely going to need something more than, I mean, and, and I mean, like, it's going to, like, that sounds really harsh on Neuer, but like, I think he did the best with what his skill set was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was that guy? The, um, oh, darn it. The, the quarterback for Rich Rod that just could not throw the ball for the life of him and was not as good as Neuer at, at, at throwing the ball, but was able just to push Arizona to like eight wins. Kind of reminds me of that where it's like, um, like those types of players like stand out when you take a look at the history of the program and go like, hell yeah, man, Neuer and that, that year of COVID was able to get us to a winning record. So, um, I just really, oh, it's, it's BJ Danker. Yeah. BJ, BJ Danker. 
<laughs> I think like I loved Aker, man. It was so fun to watch him play because like you knew you knew the ceiling, and he was dancing on that ceiling, and it was able just to will his team uh, to a bowl, and that certainly happened with Neuer. So really, really fun to watch that. The other thing that was interesting to me, Max, and and you hit on this a little bit, was like we were really worried about the secondary. And it, like I thought, I thought that was going to be the dumpster fire. It was like if if Colorado was going to just totally fall off a cliff, it was going to be because of the quarterback play and the secondary play. And I thought the secondary did the uh, same thing, just enough to be able to to keep them competitive. Um, and that's really exciting if you're a Colorado fan, right? Because like I think they're going to be able to improve on what they were able to do this year. That's a young uh, uh, some young players in that unit. Yeah, and no, I, I thought that Colorado's defense was going to be a train wreck, and I mean, well, it'll be interesting just because Nate Landman, like he was definitely one of the better defensive players in the conference, and when he went down, it just it just seemed like that the that's the um, straw that broke the camel's back, and and it just seemed like Colorado couldn't stop Texas at all. And granted, like Texas was the most talented offense that Colorado's faced all season, so maybe those two things shouldn't be correlated, but. Yeah, I mean Colorado, like they have a young, they have a lot of young players. Uh, going from year one to year two, more coaching stability, especially with a, a previous off season where there were where there was barely any practices, just with COVID. So I think, yeah, like I, I think there is definitely more optimism uh, for year two under Darrell, especially given how year one was. Well, let's, I, mean, oh, I want to say, like, I think that I think Colorado. I mean, they hit. They didn't beat their beta rank projection coming into this year by a lot. I was more down on the bike than beta rank was uh, because I thought the, the Durrell hire was not going to prove out. I thought it was going to be a bumpy ride this year. You know, they're, I mean, they, they finished okay. I mean, like they, I mean, they, they finished out. I mean, like they only finished out at number 48. <laughs> like, you know, the offense was at 56. The defense was at 50. The special teams were bad at 69. I mean, I, I think what's, you know, the, the record was surprising. I don't know that color. I don't know that the Colorado team that we saw was, I mean, they were certainly better than I personally expected, but like maybe I was, you know, a lot too, you know, too low on them, you know, and, and the Darrell hire coming in. Wasn't Colorado ranked like eight close to 80 preseason or am I mistaken? They were in the, I mean, they were in the sixties. I mean, like Arizona was the lowest rated team in beta rank in the projections. Um, coming in and they hit it. <laughs> they underperformed that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. I mean, like I think, I think I'm impressed by them because of the expectations in my mind. Like um, I thought they did. Like, I think I was a little more bullish on them this year than, than you guys were uh, coming into the season, but I didn't think they were going to have a winning record um, and make it to the Alamo bowl. I mean, like I know there was a couple of teams that just didn't want to play the bowls and stuff, but um Anyway, they, they exceeded my expectations for whatever those are worth. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, are, are they going to win the Pac-12 South next year? Probably not. But um, the fact that they will likely be competitive um, and and possibly build on stuff. Like, I think Neuer's kind of the placeholder for uh, Lewis to kind of, you know, step into his own. He was one of the highest rated quarterbacks that they've, uh, I think, recently brought in. Um, anyway, there's a lot of hype around him and Broussard and all that stuff. So I don't know. Um, I just think it's a good story, which is kind of cool and, and a bit of a surprise. But I, I hear you, right? Like, it wasn't like they were, you know, 5-0 and and um, in top 25 in beta rank. But I guess when the bar is so low and uh, the teams uh, achieve uh, more than that, then it's kind of fun to see. For me, 
the surprise and I'm like I kind of I'm going to use this lightly because I think the biggest surprises on a positive front were obviously Colorado and UCLA but Stanford four and two you know like the the program didn't fall off a cliff um, I think there are certainly some holes there it'll be interesting to see what happens next year but uh, Max what did you think about Stanford showing here this uh, 2020 I was high on Stanford, so I, I wasn't surprised. Oh, that's right, that's right. You were the you were the um, the optimist and and hit that on the head. Um, we'll go to you, Rob, because I, I think you and I were were less uh, less bullish on Stanford coming into the season. I mean, I think the the what's amazing about the Stanford squad is you know the offense. How the offense really bounced back. They finished out uh, at number seventeen on beta rank on offense, um, and that's terrific. I mean, they, like their their offense. You know, it's it is amazing to see you know this evolution that they have had. I mean, they finished out number eight in effective pass and beta rank, uh, you know, this year. So, you know, a lot healthier and you know the than they were last year, and and they were a lot more effective. And and they had they had very good special, very good special teams this year uh, as well for Stanford. Um, the the trouble that I run into, I mean, because they they finished at eighty four in deep on on defense, yeah. and I mean that's really that has really become you know, the trouble spot for this program. And, um, you know, Lance Anderson is, uh, you know, you know, I don't know that Shaw is going to move on from him, but it's been a couple of really bad years in a row for them. Um, so it's, I actually, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, Foco's, you know, off to the NFL, but, um, you know, just a, just phenomenal year, I think offensively for the Cardinal. Yeah. The one thing that was such a bummer is we didn't do, I mean, it's, it's hard to take a look back at what our season win totals were for the teams because <laughs> everything got so crazy. Like, I mean, I didn't think Stanford was going to crash and burn, but I also thought that they weren't going to have a winning season, and they certainly did. Um, and it really carried by the offense. Davis Mills, I thought, had a pretty solid season, 7-3, and three, uh, 66% completion rate, 1,500 yards. Obviously, um, Austin Jones ended up being really the, the lead back, but Nathaniel Pete behind him also showed some promise. He had seven yards of carry uh, to Jones's four and a half. And then, of course, like Fahoko was was the guy. I mean, it was just fun watching him play and um, getting some really big catches throughout the season. Uh, but also some of the other people like Bryson Tremaine and Michael Wilson. And like, anyway, that that offense looks uh, pretty solid. And Max, one of the things that stood out for me too was that the offensive line wasn't um, it wasn't a disaster. It was it was fine. Um, and, and I don't know if we anticipated it being a disaster, but like. Um, there was a world where just those players kind of were what they were when it came to run blocking in the past. Uh, and they were, they were able to kind of move the ball forward at a decent rate, uh, all things considered. Yeah. And I mean, like Stanford's always had talent on their offensive line. It, it was just an issue of developing that talent. And I mean, just ba- based on what they had returning, like I, I thought that they were going to be not like the best, but definitely like uh, uh, one of the better ones, which I guess isn't really saying much. Uh, in the Pac-12, but yeah, like it, it definitely seemed like that unit took a step forward. And I'm still, I, I, I mean, Davis Mills, like just when I thought I was out, because he, um, I'm trying, to, I forgot what game it was. I think maybe it was the Colorado game. Uh, but then he, he just came back with a vengeance since then. You know, let, let's just mention this too, just a honorable mention. But Washington State. Um, they went one and three, let, let, you know, it's, it's not like they were lighting the world on fire. Um, but they, they were fairly competitive against Oregon. They beat Oregon state in the beginning of the year. Um, you know, and then they kind of fell off. <laughs> they lost by more than 20 to USC. Hey, how is Washington state a positive surprise? I, well, I just, I just thought that with 
the freshman quarterback and learning a new system and the offensive line and the defense not being good like I don't know I I was more imp- I was more impressed with them than I thought I was going to be I guess I'd put it I, that way I would say Delora was definitely a positive surprise but not Washington State yeah but they also didn't have Max Borgie right you had um uh, the, the Notre Dame transferred at the running back. He was able to move the ball. Um, them adjusting to the new offensive system, like I thought that they had some really interesting players that were able to uh, thrive in, in that system. And uh, bringing the guy's name up right now because I loved watching him play. Um, uh, Travell Harris, like, you know, the, the first game, he caught a lot of yards kind of around the line of scrimmage and ended up with a hundred, you know, plus yards. And then he was able to like, just be more dynamic. Like he was able to catch passes beyond there. Like he, I, I don't know. I thought the fact that he was able to um, show what that offense could be in the first year was, I don't know. I, th- I, I thought it was a nice little story. I didn't, I wouldn't say that it was like, uh, it deserves to be in the top two, but um, I don't know. I like, are you, are you not buying that? No, like, I, I feel like, like, I, I'm sorry. Like Washington State, like they, their three losses all came by double digits. And granted, like two of them, two of them were against Oregon and USC. But it's not like Oregon and USC were blowing out teams left and right this season. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, I think that the expectations for me were were so low. And then, and then they had the worst, like I think the worst Pac-12 bad beat of the season in the Utah game. I forgot what happened at that point. Oh, I mean, Utah oh, yeah, was blasted the second half. Yeah, like Washington State was up like twenty-one, and they oh, were right. what, like like ten or fourteen-point underdogs, and they still couldn't cover. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, I don't know, Rob. What, what did you think about the Washington State? Am I am I on an island here? I mean, I think with Washington State, I thought the offense showed enough promise to you could carry some excitement forward. You know, the defense, you could really see the the sort of long-run personnel issues that they've developed since Grinch and Salavea have moved on to, to bigger jobs. Um, I, I think that they're, you know, I, I do think, look, I mean, if you're a Washington State fan, like there's there's definitely some some promise there with Delora. Um, you know, the offense wasn't as bad as, you know, we thought it might have been coming into the year. The offensive line was pretty serviceable. Um, so, you know, if you, you definitely see them taking a step forward on, on offense, but man, like that, that defense might be a, you know, that defense might be a two or three year project. Yeah, no, that's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely true. Um, oh, you know, what, one thing I wanted to make sure to mention before we move on was the, um, I really liked, I think it was in the Alamo bowl where they did the tribute to Ty Jordan. Um, and that was, that was pretty exciting. Um, I, I really liked the fact that they did that. Um, and then, uh, and BYU and like some of the, just around the PAC 12, right. We, we mentioned that we were going to keep an eye on, on just, um, and make sure to, to report some of this stuff and, and the support from throughout the conference. And just, uh, that was, that was really, really nice to see. So I hope that continues into 2021, but just wanted to make sure to mention that before, um, before we moved on. So that, that was pretty good. Um, let, let's get to some, um, some, X's and O's negative stories here <laughs> um, for our superlatives. Um, let's go to negative surprises of the year when it comes to teams. Uh, Max, you you got first shot here. Uh, well, if if we were just going by units, like I, I think Oregon's defense would be number one. But if we're going teams, and even though like we were down on them, but I still think Cal finishing with only one win, uh, that that for me would just be the biggest disappointment. Um, I mean, they just got absolutely trucked. 
by by UCLA. They lost a tight one to Stanford, uh, and they lost a tight one to uh, what was it, Oregon State, I think. Or am I mistaken? Yeah, on that? yeah, they lost thirty-one twenty-seven yeah. to, at at, uh, at Corvallis. And I, I just think that you know, like the people were expecting uh, Justin Wilcox and that team to make the leap, even though all that they lost on defense, but just with all they were returning on offense, and, and that just wasn't the case at all. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, with the defensive coaching staff, like losing Gerald Alexander to the Dolphins and replacing with Marcel Yates, like yeah, that that's a huge loss. And I mean, with with the defensive coaching staff and losing Evan Weaver. And and all these big all these big name players like it definitely took its toll on Cal. Rob, I think there's two teams that have the biggest asterisk by them um, asterisks astri uh, by them, and, and I think it's it's Arizona State and Cal because um, Cal yeah. had that slow start and then they you know they play that weird game on a Sunday um, and that that was just one of the sloppiest most bizarre games I've seen and, and there have been a lot of bizarre games in the Pac-12. Um, with that said, I still agree with Max. I thought that, you know, you, you give them one or two weeks and then let's see what the team really is. And, and they were fine. Um, but I, I, I really didn't walk away impressed. And, but I do like I do think that there's a chance where they are able to kind of put the pieces back if, if a number of players return and end up like, you know, playing for them. Um, but I, I even if that happens, I, I just don't see them challenging for the Pac-12 North. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their their defense was was it wasn't bad they were i mean they were a middle of the road power five defense um but when you match that up with an offense that you know grades out at 65 i mean well i mean you know cal certainly has you know uh, all the excuses which i will accept right i mean the, the, you know from the, the weird you know the weird off season um you know getting a late start to the season um you know breaking in musgrave's offense um, but it really did. It, it felt like a lot of personnel issues, you know, still, even with everything that they were bringing back, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I think, you know, whereas like with Oregon, you can kind of look at all the turnovers and, and I, I mean, I, I have questions about, I mean, big questions about Oregon's, you know, defensive regression this season, but I still think that, you know, you, you're going to like, you're almost everybody's going to have a lot of returning production next season you know, Cal's, there's going to be a lot less enthusiasm for the Bears coming in the next year. I thought, you know, if Garber stays, and I'm assuming he's going to, he's a junior this year. I, he's I, not going pro. You no, know, yeah, you can, you can see the, bo- <laughs> <laughs> you can, that's what, that's what people said about Jake Luton. Um, the, uh, you could see the bones of that. Yeah, Jake Luton then had a good year. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, you could see the bones of that offense starting to come together. And I, I was not impressed with the receiving core for, or, uh, for Cal, but it, it was good enough to start moving the ball later in the year. Um, and then you had the fact that Christopher Brown was, was hurt and they were, you know, going with their second and third, uh, tier backs who were still good. I don't know. Like I think the defense is more where, um, it'll be interesting to see, but like Wilcox still is the coach there. Um, I don't know. I, I think that I don't think the ceiling is super high for Cal, but I do think it's it's a little bit higher than 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 maybe uh, we're giving credit for. Um, but I do think the floor can be further down. Also, I don't know. I, I just like I, I wish I would have seen more games. It'd been interesting to see them play Washington State. They probably would have beat Washington State. Um, and then and then they're two and two, and we're going like, ah, oh, well, you know, like 
you know, if they if they dropped like 30 points on Washington State and like we saw more of Chase Garbers and more more yards from the backs and stuff. I, I don't know. Like, Vex, do you think the conversation is different or, or? I don't know. Like, like Garbers, like that, like um, the previous season, like it just seems like Cal was a different offense. And maybe it was just because of how poor the other quarterbacks were. But uh, it just seems like that Cal's offense was rolling. Um, yeah, I, I just like. I don't know. I guess I still have some belief in Garbers, uh, but the offensive line just, you know, they had all those returning guys. It just still wasn't good. And I just, I don't know if Cal's defense will ever get back to that level where they had those, you know, like Ashton Davis and Cam Bynum and, and like that incredible secondary and, and, and with Weaver uh, roaming at linebacker. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the ceiling has hit for Wilcox at Cal. And he he might have stayed a year too long, honestly. They are by far. Well, I guess ASU would be the uh, the one where I'm the team I'm most excited to see in 2020, just because I didn't get a full accounting for who they are. But Cal, I think, is second because I I do like. I thought the offense moved better than I was anticipating. Eh, maybe not. Actually, I take that back. Like I, we knew Chase Garbers was going to move the offense. We thought the defense was going to be the issue. And Rob, Robert, where did they finish out in Beta Rank? You said 25. That's not bad, right? 20 and 29. 29. I think there was a chance where that fell off a cliff um, and it, it didn't. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I think there's there's something there to get them to a bowl next year, but uh, but certainly not the, the Stu Mandel uh, <laughs> prediction about them uh, and a couple other folks on, uh, you know, kind of laying it out for Cal this coming year. But anyway, we'll, we'll keep an eye on them. Uh, Rob, who, who's your, you know, biggest negative surprise? Oh man, I I really feel like the the biggest negative surprise, you know, for me this year, uh, it really is USC's offense. I mean, USC was just a just a, I mean, like there's just a huge disappointment. Um, you know, Slovis was you know really healthy for the most part, I, and they are moving on from uh, Drevno at the offensive line coach, which has has been a problem for them, the, the blocking, um, you know, and the recruiting for the offensive line, but. I just, I, I, I was for them to finish it at 28, you know, on offense and beta rank. It just, it just doesn't, it, they, they needed to show a little more momentum. They needed to, to, to really, I think, you know, be able to put it together. And I just, I felt like what they showed this year was the, the limitations of Harold as a play caller, some limitations with scheme, um, you know, and, and, and the coaching. So um, they're, they're, US, uh, it definitely feels like even the, the defense did improve a, li- a little bit, not a ton. They finished at 35, but that's better than they were last year. They also improved on special teams, finishing at 22. Um, you know, for the offense to really not follow through, I thought was just a big disappointment for me. They just they didn't look good in all that many games. Max, do, do your eyes, you know, advanced stats aside, you know, just watching the game without without those stats, like do do you do you agree in, in terms of them being a disappointment? Yeah, I mean, with all the talent they had back, I mean, Lovis didn't look right for so much of the year. I mean, there were definitely questions about whether he was hurt. Uh, U.S. run game was atrocious. The offensive line was inconsistent. Uh, the wide receivers were amazing. Uh, I mean, Drake London, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn, like they definitely all had their moments, but. Yeah, USC's offense was just not consistent. And for all the talent that they have, it, it should have definitely been a more uh, explosive unit game in and game out versus having all those rough patches. 
Yeah, Veve Malapai was the top rusher with 238 yards. Um, you know, Car and Step had around 170, but it just that that thing it it just uh, it it makes me frustrated because what could that offense be if they were able to run the ball and pass the ball and like, or just pass the ball <laughs> like over and over and over again and, and not try to, to run the ball 30 times a game or whatever, whatever that goal was for them. Um, yeah. Okay. I can, I can, I can see that and obviously USC. Um, and we were talking about this before we started recording similar to Tom Herman, where like, you know, he'll, he'll keep winning a decent amount, but is he going to get them to the next level? And I just don't think that's the case. And uh, Texas ended up moving on uh, with their coach. And uh, as far as we know right now, Clay Helton's still in Southern California. I'll just go with it. And we talked a little bit about this, but I mean, Oregon's defense is like, I think for me, by far the biggest negative surprise. Like that was supposed to be a top, top five, top 10 unit and just every game. And, and like they, they did have moments and they had halves, but I just, I didn't see a full, like a, a full uh, accounting of what that defense could have been um, in any particular game that I watched from Oregon. So that, and like, and when you take a look at the names across the defensive line, and, and I know that the secondary was, was like hampered by, you know, opt-outs and stuff, but um, even so, I just like with the recruiting and everything there, that that just was really disappointing for me. And um, I'm curious to see if they're able to um, to bounce back next year. But um, does that make sense, Max? Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I mean, Oregon did have a lot of impact opt outs uh, and they did lose Justin Flo pretty early on for the whole season. But you know, like with all that talent, like they should not have been that much of a mess uh, as they were, and especially just like how amazing they were year one under Andy Avalos um just was not expecting him to take a step back let alone that big of a step back yeah that was that was the like and it was kind of early where I just kind of was looking just going oh you can move the ball against them <laughs> like uh and, and often I don't know Rob like uh, what, what do you think about their their chances moving forward I mean like they were able to put together an elite unit last year so like you know what what was the biggest hamper for them in 2020 I mean, I, just, I think if you're looking at it, like there's there's real questions, I think, of like how this is all going to work for them, I think, right? Like their defense finishes at 25, they're, you know, 28 against the run and beta rank, 25 against the pass. So nothing really glaring there, but I mean, just, I mean, really, I mean, the, the thing that stands out to me about where, where they struggled was, you know, they were still pretty good at containing explosive drives, you know, finishing at 18 there. Um, they finish at 50. Uh, in drive efficiency. I mean, just, they really struggled against long drives and teams were able to put together long drives against them. Um, you know, they, they struggled at, at negative drives, forcing three and outs and turnovers. I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it like Avalos had better turn it around, right? Because otherwise next year, you know, or last year is, is going to be you know, the lightning in a bottle year, um, you know, for him. And, and, you know, I, I, I guess like, it sort of shook the, like you sort of felt like Oregon was building a, a defensive juggernaut all of a sudden, you know, that they'd really struck gold with Avalos as coordinator and that you were really expecting them to come in and, and, and drop the hammer again this season. And man, they they really didn't. Okay. Let's stop the superlatives here and uh, let's just kind of dive into some of the other teams that we haven't mentioned, which would be Oregon state, Washington, Utah, Arizona state, um, and we'll talk about Arizona in, in the future because uh, they have the coaching hires and stuff. So let's let's stick to those four teams and let's do those right after this. All right, we're back. Tying a bow on the 2020 season here. And uh, let's go to, to America's team. 
and the or that that's the Oregon State Beavers. Let's let's go with them first here. Um, obviously, the record <laughs> wasn't what um, I think some Oregon State fans would have liked, and uh, I still wasn't impressed with Tristan Jebbia, and I, I thought they had some interesting. I don't know. It's just weird. Like obviously, Chance Nolan wasn't ready. Um, and the fact that he didn't beat out Jebbia in the off season showed me kind of, I kind of had an inkling that he wasn't ready because of that. Uh, but Oregon state overall, you know, uh, I don't know, Max, like that, that could have been a, a, you know, a surprise team this year. And I just, they didn't quite do it. Well, I have to like Oregon state was still better than what I thought they would be. Um, and, and that's just really a testament to Jonathan Smith and the coaching staff. Like this is a real this is really like one of the best, if not the best coached Pac-12 team. Uh, I mean, Jamar Jefferson was fantastic. And I mean, Oregon State's offensive line, given all that they lost, like that they, that unit was good. Like Oregon State was, uh, they, uh, they should have beaten Washington. They did beat Oregon. Like that's a lot more, that's a lot better than what I would have thought uh, heading into the season. So yeah, I just think with, with Smith in charge, like, Oregon State could be in any game because he has such a big advantage, or maybe not a big advantage, but an advantage over so many of the other coaches. I'm curious what they look like without Jamar Jefferson because um, I don't trust either of their quarterbacks. And when he was out, like I know that there was a lot of buzz surrounding BJ Baylor, but I didn't see it. Um, he was okay, but like Jefferson just took that program to a, to a different level offensively. Um, I, I I do agree with you on the on the defense. Like I thought that defense was going to be awful, and they were bad, <laughs> but they weren't terrible. Uh, Rob, where did they end up in in beta rank? Like, oh man, I disagree. They finished worse than last year. They regressed a little bit. They were at eighty three in beta rank. Oh, this year. oh, I thought they were like I assumed they were in like the low seventies. Well, that's a bummer. They finished there last year. They they did take a big step forward last year. I was a little surprised I mean, with Oregon State. Like I thought they were a pleasant surprise on offense, finishing at number thirty-five, given everything that they lost. And I think I thought Jebbia was okay. I mean, Jebbia was clearly better than the alternative. Um, and that's sort of like a uh, with Oregon State, it's kind of like you know if if they have a bunch of guys come back, they could be fun. I, I think Smith just uh, and that staff do such a good job that you know like uh, another year under the belts and you know regular spring like. Oregon State might be a surprise team next season. Not not like surprise challenging for, you know, conference title, but surprise, you know, get to a bowl game for the Beavs. I don't know. I I, I, I think Oregon State might kind of hang out where, where it's at. Ugh. The offensive line, though, was, was pretty solid. They were able to do some stuff. But, like, what is their ceiling? I mean, and I get it. Like, it's Oregon State. Like, but I, I don't think, like, Max, are they going to get back to, like, a, a Mike Riley, you know, um, level up? every other year and, and get like eight wins or, or do you think that the ceiling's a little lower with Jonathan, Jonathan Smith there and, and just like the new reality of uh, college football recruiting? Uh, I wouldn't say eight wins every year, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if like, if they get to like seven wins maybe every other year or so, I mean, just because like talent wise, like it, it, like Riley was like, he was able to attract like such good talent at, or, or seeming like such good talent there. And, and I don't know if Oregon state is, is at that place uh, yet recruiting wise, but I think that Smith, like, I think that this, like this team can definitely overachieve uh, under him in, 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 in season. So, um, I, I think Oregon State's always an interesting wild card, but I don't know if they're ever really going to challenge for the Pac-12 North. 
the one thing I really like that's well, there's a lot of things that that Smith does that I like, but one of them is uh, his willingness to go into the transfer pool and just try to pull out players that he thinks are interesting. Now, I think some Nebraska fans would be really mad about that comment because he kind of rated their recruiting class uh, the last couple of years uh, in terms of players that um, had initially been uh, committed to Mike Riley. But I mean, he went he went into Florida State and ended up pulling out a transfer there. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Addison Gums, the transfer out of Oklahoma. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to pull in a few more players that are able to uh, beef up that that defense. But I don't know. What, what do you think the ceiling is at Corvallis, uh, uh, Rob? I mean, I, I think if you're Oregon State, I mean the 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 ceiling is is likely you know somewhere hitting around bowl eligibility on your down years, you know, and then you know maybe getting up to to eight or nine wins. Um, you know, and if Smith stays and, you know, I, I, you know, Oregon state will likely try to keep him as long as they can, you know, the, you know, if he's able to figure out the defense at any point, you know, they could have an occasional, you know, once every six years run at the division. Right. You know, like I, I think Smith is that good of a coach. I mean, like we, we still underestimate like how big of a rebuild personnel wise this is. Right. So I think the fact that he's got them, to where they are uh, is indicative of, of some good things in the future. But I, I mean, I still think like you got to be, you got to be really hitting on all cylinders plus have, you know, some of the other powers in the North kind of be down a little bit, I think to have a, a really, really big, you know, couple of years in Corvallis. Um, let's move over to Washington here. Uh, three and one on the season. And I don't know. I, I'm curious. What, what were your impressions of Washington this year? And I mean, we only had a four game sample, but uh, Rob, what, what did you think about them heading into the next year? They're okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they were, uh, you know, defensively, they weren't what we were expecting. They were going to be, they finished at 21 in beta rank. Uh, the offense finishes at 32. That's a middle of the road, power five offense. Uh, the special teams regressed. They were at 41. You know, I think that I think that defensively they're going to be fine. I think you do wonder how many additional guys might go off to the draft. You know, if they're eligible uh, off of this Washington team, so you know they're they they might. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll sort of see. I, the offense didn't really blow me out of the water. Uh, you know, I, I I still want to. I mean, I don't think the book is closed on Donovan as the offensive coordinator, but I I, I do think that you know, like the the first impression wasn't overwhelming. Uh, you know, there, I, I, I just, I, do, they're going to be, in... he was limited by uh, Morris though. I just, I didn't, I was not impressed with Dylan Morris and it seemed like it, he kind of put a cap on what um, Donovan was able to do. Do you buy that? I mean, like, I just, I just kind of feel like that. Like, I mean, they're at what, I mean, how many four-star, you know, quarterback recruits do you have there? Though? I mean, like you have guys transferring out because they're not getting playing time. Right. So either you have like significant, you know, evaluation problems. Um, and, you know, like to be fair, like it's not just you, it's everybody else evaluating these quarterbacks too. So you either have significant evaluation problems or you're not doing a good job coaching them when they get there. You know, I, I, the, you know, that's not all on Donovan. He just got there, but I don't know. I mean, I, like you should, like you should be able to scheme. I mean, I mean like you should, like you should be able to scheme to get your freshman quarter. I mean, and Dylan Morris isn't even a freshman, like, to, to get him some, some better options and easier throws. And they certainly have the wide receiver talent. Um, that's, I mean, that's what's sort of like sort of frustrating about it. Uh, I, I think with this Washington team is that they're, they just don't seem to, to be able to, to put it together offensively in a way that you, 
<laughs> you believe, like you know, that you you could really believe in, right? Like they're they're I, you know they they would have certainly been good enough to 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 play with Oregon this season, you know. But like what we saw, you know, with real what we generally saw the difference I think between Washington and Oregon this year was like Oregon had some pretty horrific slip ups, usually with turnovers that you know held the offense back. Washington, we just saw some like inexplicably bad play, you know, um, that really held them back. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I'm excited coming in the next year for this Washington team. I think the defense is still going to be really good. I, I do want to see, you know, you know, I, I do think it's unfair to really fully evaluate any of these new coordinators on this season. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm excited to see them. What was, uh, what was the offense defense split for, uh, for them in beta rank? They were 32 on offense, 21 on, I mean, 21, we expected them to be at number four, 21 on defense. Uh, and then the fall off on special teams, 41 on special teams. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Four game sample too. And, and some of that, I think it'd be interesting to see if how, how much Arizona brought them down uh, because in the second half, you know, there was so much garbage time, you know, I think they scored like 20 points in garbage time or something, but yeah. Okay. I mean like that, that sounds about right though. Um, Max, wh- wh- what are your takeaways for Washington this year? I just feel like with Washington, like they were definitely a little fortunate for their record. Um, I mean, like the Stanford game, like Stanford completely outplayed them and Washington deserved to lose. Uh, The Utah game, Utah got off to a huge start and then Washington came back with roaring back with a big second half. Uh, The Oregon State game, like that was a Pac-12 ref fiasco that Washington very well could have lost. And then their one dominant performance was against Arizona, and it wasn't even the worst game that Arizona played this year. <laughs> Although that first half was really, really brutal. Um, no, yeah. no, that, that that makes sense. Um, do you uh, like? I think the the thing is, and I think we're more tough on Washington sometimes, Max, because like there there is a potential there for them to jump up to the next level and really challenge for the title every year. Um, do you think they're going to be able to get there in the next two years? Yeah, and I, I mean Washington has the talent where where they can do it, and I definitely trust. Uh, even if they didn't rank as highly this year, I, I still trust their defense, uh, especially against most Pac-12 offenses, just because there really aren't a, a many elite units among that bunch, if any. So I, I just think with Washington, um, again, like it's another like year one to year two leap. Like will we see that under Jimmy Lake? We'll see. Um, but I, I think that, I mean, with most programs, like the year, the year two leap, it, 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 it happens a, a good amount uh, with good coaches. So if Lake's the guy, I, that's something that I would expect to see. A couple, you know, Rob, I'm curious what you think about the linebackers. Cause I thought Yul Foscio was good this year and I know ZTF isn't, isn't a linebacker, but he was like more of an edge rusher, but just the explosion of him on the scene was really, really fun to watch. Like I agree with Max. I certainly think they can challenge for the title um, because they have the recruiting um, and they and they have that brand on the defensive side of the ball. But what did you think about the linebackers this year? I, mean, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, I mean, there were definitely some, you know, there were definitely some moments where they struggled, uh, you know, a little bit in, in coverage. And you know, the, uh, they certainly they certainly were hurting for not having you know, some of the defensive linemen there that they were expecting. That it definitely left them a little more vulnerable to the run. Uh, than I think you would you would expect. So I mean, with some particularly with some development, I think you know their linebackers. I think could be fine. I, I'm excited to see Smalls, you know, get more playing time. 
Um, you know, they, they definitely have some, some, some guys, I think, uh, you know, ready to step in on defense too. I thought the secondary was still fun to watch. Um, yeah, it just like and I know they got uh, <laughs> there's a couple plays where they got beaten stuff. But um, for the most part, it was it was a privilege to watch them run around the field again, because and I that like I think of any unit uh, in the Pac-12, they brought me the most joy this year <laughs> because uh, just the, the confidence and uh, just being able to like they, they hit hard. And anyway, that that was just I was really excited when they first hit the field. I'm like, ah, this is this is what I was excited for. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that tradition going into next year. Let's head to the Pac-12 South here. A couple teams that we have not talked about. And, it, and, and, and part of the reason is because like, it's kind of like the incomplete grade because uh, of uh, the COVID problems. And I was very, very excited to see Arizona state's entire staff um, overcome COVID. Uh, th- those that got it, Herm Edwards uh, being the most prominent one. Uh, so it was really exciting to see them, um, you know, battle back from that and, and not be uh, a huge issue. Although I'm sure it caused a lot of turmoil in the program. Um, and then now we're seeing Marvin Lewis, uh, you know, up for some uh, head coaching jobs. So congratulations to him for um, really rebuilding that resume at uh, at Arizona State. But uh, Max, you get the first take at ASU. Would you Would you take away with uh, this year? Uh, I really like their defense. Um, and, and I think that Jaden Daniels has some promise, but I think the, the offense is way too inconsistent. I mean, the offensive line is still pretty, whatever, uh, they have a lot of weapons. I, I just don't think that Daniels is a consistent passer yet. And I think for Arizona state to be able to contend and, and overtake USC and, and the PAC 12 South, uh, Daniels is going to have to be a better thrower. Two and two on the year. Uh, could have gone three and one. They should have been three and one, to be frank. Uh, that USC game, which is just freaking crazy, uh, and a fun game to start the season. Uh, the loss to UCLA, the just ass whooping of Arizona State, seventy to seventy, uh, seventy to seven, and then uh, in a in a solid win over Oregon State, they dropped forty six points in that game. Uh, Rob, what what did how did they show out in Baderick? It's kind of weird, right? Four games, and we just talked about that with uh, um, Washington had four games, but uh, what did the numbers say about them? So it had him at 33 on offense, which was better than I was expecting. Um, but it is tough. I mean, because they, they caught Arizona as Arizona was absolutely collapsing. They catch Oregon state as Oregon state's also another team that I think played a lot worse down the stretch. Um, I do want to call it, I thought Deesh, the, uh, their, the transfer tackle from Texas A&M, I thought he was really good. Um, and, uh, I, I thought their offensive line was short up a bit. Um, but they, I mean, uh, Max is spot on. I mean, Daniels, Daniels looked really bad for extended periods <laughs> this season. Um, I mean, they graded out at number five in effective Russian beta rank number 87 in effective pass. Um, you know, Daniels had some, had some significant issues that we talked about. I mean, with accuracy, you know, getting the ball down the field, you know, that's, that, that could be a big limiter for this offense going forward because you're just, you're not going to have a year where you, you cat, you know, you, you know, you, only play four games, you know, this is hopefully the only time we have to do this. <laughs> so, um, I just, I, I think that they're, uh, I, and I thought the, the defense too was, was pretty good. I mean, it better than I expected. I thought Marvin Lewis, who, who was your play caller, um, you know, he had him at 30, you know, we had him projected at 25, so it's not you know, they missed their projection by a bit, but you know, I thought Marvin Lewis did a really good job with that defense, you know? So, they're, they're really interesting. I mean, they are a really interesting team because I did think the offensive line did take a little bit of a step forward. Um, and I like their ability to run the football. I just, I want to see it in a, I mean, and I just want to see it on a bigger sample. 
for them because I mean they really also I mean uh, you know that game against UCLA they really struggled. Oh yeah, oh I mean like that was uh, to move the ball through the air right? I think it was all over the ground, um, and particularly it was uh, Daniels running all over the ground. The one the one thing in defense of Daniels, um, man, he really does take care of the ball though. Five touchdowns, one interception this year. I gotta go back and look at his splits last year, but I recall them being quite good. Um, so at least he's responsible with the ball. Um, and that could be play calling, but it could also be you know decision making on his end. Uh, the the other thing that's really interesting for me is um, in the passing attack, right? You had all these really solid freshmen, like true freshman wide receivers, take the field, um, and we didn't have a lot of time to see them grow. So I'm really really excited to see what they're what they are next year um, and what they can be. I mean, like a good example of this is somebody who isn't a freshman um, is the fact that like Frank Darby caught, Frank Darby caught six passes. <laughs> this season right like in a regular season obviously he's uh, one of the players that um could be big boom or bust but like certainly was going to get more receptions and more yards on that uh, front so kind of an incomplete grade there but uh the defense was certainly uh interesting and um man i, I mean i kind of wish that they won that usc game because it gives them a little bit more um to to crow about and uh, momentum uh, for a team that i think is kind of on the upswing it'll be interesting to see if they have to hire another defensive coordinator max but um any any last takeaways for ASU? Uh, I mean, I, I would think that that's going to be USC's. Well, actually, well, Utah. I I, I mean, Utah is tough just because of, of the loss of Jordan. I, I mean, that's so substantial. And, and but I mean, Utah like they had to replace a ton this year. Um, and I mean, I trust their coaching staff uh, more than anyone else in the Pac-12 South. So. I think you, I think we'll, we'll see the same three like and even UCLA like I'm interested to see if, if they can continue that step forward. So I, I think the Pac-12 South is going to be very interesting next year, and I I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for USC. Okay, well let's move over to Utah here. Um, let's start with you, Rob. What what did you take away from them? Obviously, um, they are going to be a different team with uh, the loss of Ty Jordan. Uh, just again, just like devastating on so many fronts. He was really, really fun to watch um, and certainly was a special player for that program. Um, with him gone, um, well, I guess, you know what, let's let's take a look at what the season that was because um, he was able to really move that running game forward, which is something that they obviously often do. Um, and it's always a player that kind of surprises him being one of them this year. Again, I know a lot of Utah fans were excited about him, but outside of Salt Lake, I'm not certain if a lot of people were talking about him um, going into the season. What did you think about Utah and what did the numbers say about their season? Well, I mean, I want to call out, I mean, like really the the job that uh, Scally did uh, coaching defense because of everything that they lost and it was a ton. They finished at 19 in beta rank on defense, you know, and that's you know, small sample, absolutely, but I mean, just phenomenal job. I mean, and, and all of those guys got some game experience. I'm excited to see what this Utah defense is going to be next season. I think, you know, and 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 the special teams again were very good at number 17. Uh, holy Moses! I mean, they, that offense stunk. <laughs> like, they were at, they finished at 68. Um, I, I like Ludwig as a play caller. I mean, I just, I don't think, you know, last year they were able to, to really scheme around, um, you know, with what they had in the backfield and, you know, this year they just, uh, they weren't, I mean, the offensive line problems are still there. I know a lot of Utah folks are, are really up on the offensive line. I don't get that. I still think the offensive line is really bad. Um, a lot of those guys are going to return. They're definitely not going pro. You know, and the, the you know, Utah finished at 48 an effective rush, 74 an effective pass. I think you could argue the teams were really able because 
you know, be, you know, because there was, there was not much danger of Utah throwing the football effectively, um, you know, that they were able to, to stack the box a little bit and, and, you know, uh, and try to control the, the youth run game. But I just, uh, there wasn't much that we could do with, uh, you know, without, you know, Zach Moss, um, you know, they're breaking tackles. Uh, oh God, I'm forgetting the quarterback's name now. Um, well, it's Jake Bentley. They started with Cam Rising. Well, not Bentley, but I mean Rising, but the year before. Uh, oh my gosh. Tyler Huntley. Tell, I mean, without Huntley, they're really, you know, being incredibly efficient. I mean, yeah, you know, I Rising, I think, gives you some more interesting options. I mean, Bentley was the bad Bentley that we saw at South Carolina. So, uh, you know, I just, I'm not sure you're going to get the kind of level of play that you had out of out of Huntley, even out of Rising. Um, and certainly, you know, the, the, the tragic loss of Jordan, you know, really hurts because I, I think you really need a special back behind the, you know, behind this offensive line. Yeah. What did, what did you think about us, uh, USC? I'm sorry. What did you think about Utah max? Um, you know, I, the, the offense, I, I can see the numbers stinking, but they also had seven interceptions to six touchdowns. So like when you're giving the ball the way, way that much, and there was some fumble issues, uh, particularly in that Washington game. Uh, I don't know. What, what were your takeaways of uh, the Utes this year? Um, well, I think that I think I kind of nailed Utah when, when we were previewing that. Like, I thought that they were going to have a slow start and then come on uh, in the end. And that's what happened. Um, just with all the talent they were replacing. And I think what, what Rob was right, just like the, the difference in efficiency between Huntley and Bentley was enormous. Like Bentley was a turnover machine and Huntley uh, I mean, he, he didn't turn the ball over like as simple as that. And Utah had some massive turnover issues, uh, this season and the offensive line wasn't great. Uh, the defense was solid, but yeah, but I mean, Utah, um, at the end of the season, like it definitely, like they definitely looked like a contender, um, who, who could emerge, uh, next season. So I, I just think that with the limited, um, you know, like spring practice and, and, and off season, uh, that this was going to hurt a team that lost so much in the beginning. And, uh, I mean, the, U- the USC game, that was one of the better performances by USC all year uh, in Salt Lake City. But, no, I think Utah came on in the end, and that just goes to show, you know, like what, like Whittingham, how consistent of a, a talent developer and coach he is. It's, what is this, the fourth year in a row, Max, where – we look at the linebackers and I think this year we kind of knew a little bit more what we were getting into, but like, man, that linebacking core, whether it's scheme or talent, like they always deliver. And there's been a couple of years where it's like, I have no idea who's playing here, <laughs> but what, for whatever reason, man, like, I don't know what, what, what is it that, that those lamp, like, cause Nephi Sewell looked like a monster out there. And obviously Devin Lloyd, I think he got first team all pack 12. Yeah. And I mean, with Utah, like the, the linebackers uh, were impressive. I mean, they're, they're defensive line factory. Um, and, and well, the secondary, like it's tough replacing Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson. But I mean, I, I, I just think that this Utah defense, like, like what Rob was saying under Scali with it, a lot more, a lot more stingy than you would have thought with all those major pieces going. And just the fact that they had it on all three levels of the defense, uh, an encouraging sign going forward. Right on. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up there. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. So, we're we're going to continue to record weekly. Max is going to take a little bit of a break um, as we uh, as we go into the off season here. 
Um, but Rob and I have a couple ideas coming up, including the national title game. I think we want to do some beta rank breakdown uh, of that. And then, um, and just a lot, we didn't talk about uh, players that are departing. We have the scheme guys from the scheme show that, um, you know, I'd love to talk with them and break down what some of the teams were doing as they were laying out their new offense and defensive schemes. Um, so a lot of really interesting stuff that we will continue to talk about as we move through the off season. Um, thank you for listening uh, and uh, make sure to tune in next week as we continue to uh, break down what we saw and uh, we will catch you then.